Welcome to the Improving Lives podcast from Longhurst Group. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to Improving Lives, episode three of your podcast from Longhurst Group, where we share some top stories and tips about how you can improve your mental health and financial well-being. Joining me in the studio, as usual, is John Reeves. Good morning, afternoon, hello. And Connor O'Keefe. Hello, everyone. Afternoon, gents. All right. Yes, how are you? Great stuff. Yeah, no, well, not bad, not bad. Okay, so episode three, uh, so we've got a cracking show lined up for you today. Um, we've got Jack Monroe, who writes brilliantly about uh, food poverty and poverty in general, so she's going to be speaking to uh, to Connor later on in the show, which will uh, which will be great, so we look forward to hearing that. She spoke really eloquently, really powerfully from our Improving Lives conference about her experiences of coping with uh, economic struggles, basically financial struggles, and how she, uh, her, her and her young boy, basically survived uh, day to day. And um, she wrote, she started off by writing a blog about her experiences. And I think she said at the time it started off as a bit of a, a rant at the count, a local council, but then she sort of interspersed it with some recipes, um, which is a, as she acknowledged herself, it's quite a strange mix: recipes and, and rants about local government. But um, eventually that grew into a blog that made her famous, basically, yeah. and, and brought to everyone's attention um, as someone who wrote about how to cook and provide for a family on a budget. Um, so as I say, she was speaking at our conference um, where we sort of really delved into why we do what we do and why it's so important that we have our improving lives strategy and go in that extra mile for customers to support their health and well-being and their financial resilience, which obviously gave rise to this podcast. So, uh, And this is why we do what we do and why we're sat in the studio talking today. So uh, Connor spoke to, got a chance to speak to Jack um, after the conference and, uh, and listened to her and her story and um, really good interview. Um, and she's, uh, she's an incredible speaker and really interesting character. So uh, here's Jack now. Jack, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do and... Uh, what you're kind of here for? Um, yeah, so I'm a food writer and campaigner. I campaign against uh, the causes of poverty and the fallout. And I try to make sure that people have access to like good cooking education, nutrition, and um, basically I just do lots of different things that mean that I want people to live as good a life as they can on the income that they have. What's your favourite meal? Oh, that's quite a hard question. What's my favourite meal? Um, because <laughs> this is going to sound awful because I write cookery books. But it's <laughs> a cheese and mayo sandwich with a bag of prawn cocktail crisps smashed up into it. And whenever I'm not very well or I've had a really busy day or I just haven't cooked for whatever reason, which is very rare, I should say, um, my other half, who doesn't cook at all, will say, shall I do dinner? And that's code for, shall I go to Tesco, get the cheese triple, fill it with crisps, and so it will catch up. And, yeah, that would that would be my death row dinner. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so bad and good and crunchy and creamy and cheesy and prawny and just it's just the greatest meal on it. I was with you up until you said prawn cocktail crisps. So just shoot that and I'm, I'm, I'm It there. used to be cheese and onion crisps, but... I've I've really got a thing for prawn cocktail at the moment. I go through like crisp phases. I used to eat salt and vinegar crisps until my tongue would go literally numb, and I was like, I don't do that anymore um, because I'm in my prawn cocktail phase. And I like to look for the really red ones in the back because they've got all the paprika flavour on them. So you're a bit like Picasso. You're going through your different stages, I guess. Yeah, like, definitely. You know? I'm I'm evolving as a crisp consumer. Like <laughs> <I feel>. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first part of our uh, exclusive Jack Monroe interview. Um, 
as as we sort of said before we introduced her the, the piece there really engaging character great interviewer and a really powerful story full of really good advice not least <laughs> a tip to try cheese and mayo sandwiches with prawn cocktail crisp crumbled up inside I, I was with her with the cheese and mayo <coughs> up until prawn cocktail is that why she lost you yeah I mean <laughs> skips are okay prawn cocktail wise skips are okay um, but cheese and onion crisps something like that would have gone I mean that'd be like the perfect sandwich I guess absolutely I mean cheese. Her, obviously this is how she got started talking about food and food that brings you gives you all that, all that you need from it on a budget basically and she was talking about how she was raiding the fridge and was finding like a carrot and something else and she was figuring out a meal to make that come alive I mean obviously it's a, a really it's the other end of the spectrum I mean it was a case of food for fuel for her and it was keeping her and her son and I mean she talked about how at the conference she talked about how she would go without food to ensure mm. that her son could I mean it was just a harrowing story like her experiences at the time and I know people in the room you could see people in the room were affected by it and she's got a really powerful story to tell and hers unfortunately her story isn't a unique one mm. you know it's I mean the way she puts it across is, and the way she does it is superb but this is happening all over the country and her her advice on how people can you know create a meal from nothing basically and uh, you know accessing food banks and things like that I mean it was just it was it's incredible mm. what what she's gone through and what she's learned and now she's sharing that knowledge the way she talks is so authentic but that's because she's lived it yeah she's lived through all of those struggles that she talks about and she's still trying to help people that are going through those experiences um, and she, as you've said, she spoke so powerfully at our conference. She was, she was just, she got, she captured the imagination, the emotion of everybody in the room. And I think she held, everyone was just for 20 minutes, just listening to what Jack had to say about not feeling like she'd had a home, hmm. you know, living in something like 31 addresses in 27, 21 years yeah. or something like that. It was a crazy amount and yeah. never feeling like she had a home and, um, just a real inspiration to hear how she got through those difficult experiences um and yeah just yeah a, a great character as well as we've heard from from that part of the interview there so that's time for the second part of our interview with uh, with jack monroe in this section of the interview she passes on some really useful advice first-hand you know learned experience first-hand advice from her um of how she coped when life was a struggle for him and the places she went to help so she's passing on that advice now of where you can go if if money is tight and you're struggling to make ends meet and struggling to feed yourself and your family which is ultimately like the, the position that she felt herself she found herself in she was making a choice between whether she went without food so her son could eat and um it's it's a moving story it's a harrowing story but it's one that she's learnt a lot from and and now she's passing on that advice so Connor spoke to her in the second part of this interview and she passes on some really useful advice of uh, of what you can do to uh, to go and get help so I suppose have you got any bits of advice for anybody if they are facing food poverty what what bit of advice could you give to them um, um several bits of advice um firstly with the caveat that it's disgusting that anyone's facing food poverty in one of the wealthiest nations in the world but if you do find yourself in a situation where you're struggling to feed yourself and your family um you can go to uh, people like um, a doctor or a care provider or 
um, the job centre and ask for a food bank referral form. Some places are a bit shy about giving them out. Literally, just ask. Mm. You just say, and it's it's embarrassing and it's awkward, but it's also embarrassing and awkward not being able to feed yourself and your kids. So, um, it's a, it's a difficult situation um, for anyone to find themselves in. And secondly, what I what I do, I get emails every day from people saying, you know, I've got five that's last me the week. What can I cook? What can I make out of it? And it's not going to be a one size fits all solution to that because uh, then there never will be. What I say to people is go home and open your fridge, your freezer, your cupboards and make a list of literally every single thing you already currently have. Now, for some people, that is going to be nothing. Like, I've been in that situation. I've lived that. There's been nothing. If someone said to me, get an A4 piece of paper and write down all the food in your cupboard, I'd be like, none. But if you use what you've already got as the building blocks to, like, create meals around, then you can just top it up with the, like, really cheap basics from the supermarket and, like, pad it out. And, and it's it will get you through, like, a week. And, it you know... In, I would go on um, my website, on the BBC Good Food website, on various other cooking websites, and I would just type in random ingredients. I'd be like, carrot and kidney bean. Oh, look, this is carrot and kidney bean soup or burger that I can make here. And you, you just, like, use what you've got, basically, to to get you through and check that you're getting all of the help that you're entitled to as well there's so many different benefits out there and again agencies aren't usually very forthcoming with telling people well actually you should be getting x y and z um so just like go on the benefits calculator make sure you're getting everything that you're entitled to if there's anything on there you don't recognize or you think that you should have been getting it's there to make your life easier and more manageable and there's no um, like there should be no stigma attached to um, accessing the help that you are, you know, that you are entitled to have. So I suppose why, why do you think there is a stigma? Is it this kind of British thing of stiff up a lip and sort of get on with it and put up with it or? Yeah, I think I think there's a bit of a generational divide in, in some respects, not in all respects, um, but where I think certainly some of my parents' friends couldn't really understand how I'd ended up in a situation where I was in poverty because I came from, a, you know, a, my parents were still married to each other. They both had jobs. We lived in, like, what you'd consider to be a nice area. And then one of my mum's friends saw me at the food bank and she was so shocked that I, I was so, so embarrassed and she was so shocked to see me there. And I think that the... The shame and the stigma attached is because I think people don't think that they or anyone they know could ever end up in that situation. And actually, we're all just a couple of like big bills or dodgy paychecks away from being, you know, in a difficult situation. We we do live in financially insecure times. People are working zero hour contracts, working the gig economy, trying like pulling all sorts of strings to try to make ends meet. And more and more people are finding that difficult, I think. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I think, do you think the kind of the, the answer to that is really talk and be open with friends and family about your situation? Because I, I know with me, I'm on universal credit to help pay mm-hmm. for childcare. It, but it's a, it's a cycle of, if I don't submit my, my childcare before the end of the month, they cancel it, they cancel your thing. If you yeah. don't, if uh, my wife works for the civil service, if the civil service don't tell the other part of the civil service how much she earns, they cancel it. Yeah. And then I'm stuck with a £400 Nursery bill, like, 
can't really afford. Yeah. Um, but I think that other people might look in and think that we're doing okay. But in actual fact, quite hard to pay yeah. the nursery fee, pay for the it, And it's, it's a real organisational feat to keep on top of everything as well. Like I was, um, I, I, I used to have an Excel spreadsheet where all my benefits would go in on the spreadsheet and all the bills would come out and I would... I'd made it so the little cell, the little box that the numbers go in would go red when there was more going out than going in. And that spreadsheet was basically just red. Yeah. And I would sit there going, like, you know, I've got three days and I need to find £7.11 in three days. Otherwise, it will go into my overdraft and I'll get a £25 charge again. So I'd be looking around the house for eight quid's worth of stuff to sell just to bump me back into the back. And you're like, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's absolutely exhausting having to scrape together from every corner of your life all the time, all the loose change. I mean, there's only so many times you can look in your coat pockets before there's, you know, you've you've emptied them all. And yeah. it is it is a really difficult situation to manage, but there is help and there are resources available to people who find themselves in that situation. And um, the people who are on the other end of that help and those resources have seen it all before. They've heard every story before. They they know, like they, they a lot of them come from backgrounds like myself and have been in the situation themselves. Um, and just reach out and ask for help. Yeah, it's and it's the most difficult thing that you can do because of the shame and the fear of judgment. But it's also the first step towards a little bit of breathing space. So. Yeah. It's probably worth noting we we have money advisors in at Longhurst Group and um if you are a, a member of Longhurst Group you can come to us and we can say we can look at your your finances and maybe what you're spending and that kind of thing and say can you do mine <laughs> well, <laughs> say what can you get access to what do you need and that kind of thing and that's that's yeah. available to all of our customers um that's brilliant and on the last episode of the podcast we had a we had a story of. Um, a gentleman who was reaching retirement and actually he didn't realise he was entitled to so many different yeah. um bits of income that would help him and he, you know for him it was by, about being able to afford to buy a bag of chips and you think if you're talking about a british staple buying yeah. a bag of chips is a, a, a staple of a yeah. british person isn't it and he worried about that that's yeah. incredible really but now yeah. he can as he, in his own words he can go and buy a bag of chips whatever he feels like it's so. that's great that's really good yeah more organizations should do that because yeah. it's um i mean so many of us are just like financially overwhelmed by i mean i've lived I don't live on my own now, I live with my partner, but I lived on my own for like 15 years on and off. And um, the off being like occasionally romantically moved in with someone who would discover that I was a pain and move swiftly out again. And um, it, it took me years to settle into the routine of feeling like I've got to pay the water bill, got to pay the gas bill, got to pay the electricity bill, got to register to vote, got to do the council tax, got to... And it's like, you know, it's just, there should be no embarrassment in turning around to a professional and saying you just help me tick a few things off this list and make sure that all the money that's meant to come in comes in and all the money that's meant to go out goes out because yeah. like being an adult is hard Life being, being, you know, just the sheer amount of administrating administration you've got to do is like no one told me it'd be like this i thought it would just be like beer and cocktail parties <laughs> and like this it always looked so fun yeah. when my parents when i was a kid like being a grown-up was this like mystical thing and now i am a grown-up and i'm like i just want to go and play in the sand again <laughs> so we're the same age we're oh, both born in 1988 um you're wearing it much better than i am <laughs> i have to say <laughs> I was like, my kids aren't as old as yours. <laughs> yeah, you'll <laughs> come. <laughs> um, but yeah, I never, I never saw my parents kind of struggle, but 
being a parent now, I know they must have struggled because yeah. I had a PlayStation when I asked for well, not, not when I asked for it like that, but I said, Mom, they can have a PlayStation. They're able to find the money for it. Yeah. I think, honestly, that was like three or 400 quid. If my kids turned around to me and said they needed three or 400 quid, I'd be like, where's that yeah. come from? So. Yeah, I know. I mean, I realise now as an adult the sacrifices my parents made when I was a child because we lived in a tiny little, like... Well, we first started off in a tiny little flat that's so small that it can't even be legally rented out as a flat anymore because <laughs> we've been back, I've been back to see it. And it's like a studio flat that my mum and dad and me and my brother all like slept in until we moved to this little two up and two down, like pokey little house. And um, I remember that my parents would, in, in the evening sometimes, they wouldn't, eat with us and they'd be like no no we'll eat later we'll eat later and it was um, the firefighter strikes at the time that was a firefighter and I asked him outright a few years ago I was like you missed meals when I was a kid didn't you he said yeah we didn't me and me and mum both did he used to hitchhike 27 miles to work or gloomy 127 with his thumb out and his fire gear and you'd be like but kids are generally oblivious to it and it's only as an adult you look back and you go God, like, none of us have it easy, do we? No. We're all in the same boat, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Gradually sinking one by all accounts, but <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> so the second part of, uh, of our interview with Jack Monroe there, um, just sort of, she touched on how close we all are to falling into trouble, basically, financial trouble, and how sort of fragile and how thin that line is between coping and, and, and really struggling. Um yeah, that was that that sort of, that sort of hit home for me, and I know you guys as well. It was it was interesting to hear her like just how close we all are. Like you say, it can be one one slip payment or one dodgy bill, a dodgy paycheck, as she put it. It's uh, we're all really close and closer than we think, probably. Yeah, well, I mean, at the moment I'm currently I don't want to use the word battling, but um, working <laughs> in dispute. With, yeah, in dispute with the guys at Universal Credit over a, a nine hundred pound overpayment. Um, the less I say about that, the more uh, the best, really. But um, so for me, that nine hundred pound is a huge amount of money. And if they turned around and said to me, "Pay that nine hundred pound back tomorrow," I couldn't do it. Um, so I think if you really, really rely on Universal Credit, and it's it pays your housing, it pays everything that that you need, your food, your childcare, and everything, and they turn around and, and try and take that off you. Yeah, it's 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 very difficult. I you know I I'd really struggle basically. I think we all pay tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's 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 we we don't realise, do we? We don't realise just how widespread this. As she said in that piece there, as she said during the interview, we live in financially uncertain times, and that's absolutely true. As you're sort of highlighting there with your own personal experiences, Connor. It's uh, and it's knowing where to get help, and I suppose. That's a, you'll, you'll excuse the segue here, but um, at Longhouse Group, we do have a team of uh, money advisors who you can, uh, if you're a Longhouse Group customer, you can get in touch with to um, basically speak to them and find out if you're claiming all the benefits that you're entitled to, a bit of advice um, and, and help kind of thing, and they can they can work with you to help you to manage your finances, and, and, and it could be just, it could make the difference and, and put a little bit more cash in your pocket at the end of the month, and you really help you to, to mm. sort of bridge that gap between 
coping and, and or not coping and coping. They're, um, they're an invaluable uh, sort of resource. We're very proud to have them um, and to be offering that service to our customers. Uh, they're based all around the country. We've got reps all around the country. Um, you can obviously speak to them over the phone. They can come and visit you in your home, which however works best. But head to our website and uh, and sort of check out what they can do to help you. They're lovely people as well. Yeah. And the important thing, they're not here to judge no. people. They're here to help and give better understanding of the benefits and the support that that people are actually entitled to they just might not know about it and that's those guys play you know really really important role in in helping people with their economic resilience health and well-being obviously it's associated to that as well so if you need that support if you're not sure whether you're entitled to x benefit y benefit whatever it is get in touch with our money advisors and, and they're absolutely there to help uh, yeah, you can find out more on longer-group.org.uk forward slash money advice. Um, you can fill out a form there and t- to get in touch and there's um, there's also some success stories on there. So definitely definitely give it a read. Mm. Brilliant. And it was nice to hear from Jack like when you sort of explained to her that that is a service we offer. Obviously fully in support of that and sort of saying more organisations should be doing that. So uh, it's, it's great that we have that service, so please make use of it. You never know how much it could uh, Im- improve your life. So now it's time for the third and final part of our uh, interview with Jack Munro, the uh, Sunday Times best-selling author and food campaigner. She's a very passionate uh, campaigner about food poverty and um, the sort of the, the, the stigma around people coming forward to get help and, and, and to reach out for that support. So in the third part of this interview, she uh, speaks very passionately about child poverty and the, the dis- disgrace, as she calls it, that the amount of children that are currently living in food poverty uh, and she also gives her sort of I suppose a ma- her manifesto if she was standing for election of uh, what she would do to uh, fix the welfare system and to make it a fairer society as she puts it so uh, let's hear from her now it's seven in ten children live in food poverty I think is what you said and it's in one neighborhood in Glasgow oh, okay. yeah. yeah seven in ten children in one particular neighborhood in Glasgow live in food poverty I mean that's... it's just such a huge proportion of any community it should be a national embarrassment that anybody like any small neighborhood ward community area has got that level of child poverty is absolutely shocking yeah. so what what can we do about it then I mean if you if you could <laughs> I mean you stood up there as prime minister what what would you do if you're allowed to say, I guess. <laughs> well, the thing is, I get, funnily enough, I get asked this question a lot and I never really have a comprehensive answer to it because there are so many things that need overhauling. Like um, the benefit system needs to be brought in line with inflation. Um, it needs to be reassessed to ensure that people are getting a genuine amount that that could be lived on rather than scraped by on. Um, people need to be penalised less for failing to show up to appointments. I've had letters from people who have like missed a job centre appointment because they've been in hospital having cancer treatment and then been sanctioned for 12 weeks and had all their benefits taken away. And they're like, I was having cancer treatment. And it's, there's so much injustice in the system. So basically, I think what I would do is set up a round table of citizens who are impacted the most by cuts and changes to benefits and I would go right what do you need tell me your stories let me hear your experiences and tailor a system that works for everybody not just works for sound bites or works for political campaigning but a system that genuinely works to meet the needs of all of the people who require it and that that's 
a fair and decent society. Yeah. Uh, how I'd go about achieving that, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe claw back some money from like tax evasion and avoidance and bits like that would be a good start. Yeah, no. Those big subjects. <laughs> yeah, big indeed. No, thank, thanks, Jack. I think no, no um, worries. Really interesting to speak to you and thank you for taking part in the, the event today. Oh, it's been fantastic. It's been brilliant to meet people who are clearly so driven and passionate about providing people with a proper home rather than just a house. That's something I feel very strongly about. So Jack Monroe there bringing to an end her three-part interview with us. And uh, first of all, thanks to Jack. She touched on it there, how pleased she was to be at the conference. The pleasure was all ours. It was an incredible uh, opportunity to have her at the conference and for her to speak to uh, about her experiences and speak to why it's so important that we do what we do with our Improving Life strategy. And she really highlighted in very stark and emotional and powerful terms uh, the effect that going the extra mile for customers, reaching out, offering support, like we touched on the money advisors earlier, the uh, employability advice, having that extra support that we do offer, how important that is. So it was great to, to sort of have her at the conference and I'm sure everyone who attended and you'll, you've heard from her there in, their, in her interviews just how pa- powerful and engaging what she had to say was. It was, uh, it was an incredible experience. And if she's planning on running for election anytime soon, she's certainly, <laughs> she's certainly got my vote. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I- her story is not unique either, which is the, the most frustrating thing. There are millions of people um, potentially going through exactly the same thing that Jack's going through. Um, we know the usage of f- food banks has, has shot up. Mm. Um, I don't think it's ever been like this before uh, in the history of, of things. So oh, it, it, her story is just amazing. The fact that she's able to talk about it and she's not only talk about it, but make change and help other people through, through the books that she does and the, her website and that kind of thing. It, it's amazing, really. Absolutely. And some of her advice there she gave earlier on in probably the second part of the interview, she talked about practical advice, what to do, where to go. You know, I wouldn't have even considered going to the doctors, for example, mm-hmm. to, to reach out for that, that kind of support. But now she's mentioned it, of course, it makes perfect sense. But how many people weren't maybe were in my position and didn't maybe weren't aware that you could go to the doctors to, to ask for that kind of support or reach out in that way? And obviously, the good thing about the doctor is it's fully confidential. You can go, you can speak to him or her and, and they'll 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 treat that with the patient com- patient doctor confidentiality that any other appointment would. So that's really, really useful information and actually potentially like life-changing. You don't yeah. know to what extent a trip to the uh, the doctors where they maybe not have considered going to that, to speak out and reach out, that could be, that could change their life. Absolutely. And, and when she talks about how complex the benefit system is and other systems are set, I think that's probably by design as well, mm. to be honest. I think it's, it's there to make things harder for people to access the things they're entitled to. And we talked about it earlier on, our money advisors are there to help people navigate those really complex you know, journeys to, to get in yep. the benefit and the support they, they, that they are entitled to, to receive. And food banks, I mean, the fact that they're used so much now, it's, it is a national disgrace mm. that that is where we are at. Um, and people need them to get by. It's, uh, I mean, they do fantastic work. Don't get me wrong, but we shouldn't. We should be in a country where we don't need food banks at all. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know that's. You know, I'm sure that's views that I've heard Jack talking about before. Even though she's a passionate supporter of food banks, it would be a better country if we didn't need them at all. Absolutely, absolutely. So that brings us to our end of our improving lives jack monroe special if you will it was a real privilege to have her speaking at our event and then also for connor to get the opportunity to sit down and chat to her in a a really open and 
sort of conversational interview, which was great to hear. Um, you asked her some great questions. She gave you some great answers. And hopefully some of the, the stuff that we've, you've heard on the podcast today will be of use for you in your life. Um, so if you'd like to find out more about how, what the work we're doing to improve lives, which you've heard from Jack there, she's a, a big supporter of, which was great f- uh, to hear that. Uh, do pop onto our website, longhurst-group.org.uk forward slash improving lives. There's all the information there about the, the extra services we offer, the work that we're doing, case studies there from uh, from customers who we've helped and, and how you can um, basically benefit from that support and, and where you can reach out to get that level of help. Um, it's available 24 hours a day, so please pop on and, um, and, and have a look and see, see how we can help you. Um, so that brings episode three of the podcast to an end. Um, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Um, if you'd like to listen back to any of our previous episodes, obviously episode two we had a, an interview with Nathan Arnold, a former professional footballer, about his mental health struggles and how he's turning that into a, a positive sort of force for good. Um, so do check that out. And episode one as well, our very first episode, our debut, which feels... That's ages away now <laughs> but that's got some really uh, interesting and um, powerful um, information about our involvement in the Make a Stand campaign which is um, targeting and, and tackling domestic abuse in our homes we've got a really powerful story with uh, one of our colleagues she talks about her experiences so do check back wherever you get your podcasts do check back on previous episodes and uh, don't forget to subscribe please like us if you feel that way inclined it's very much appreciated um, and we'll be back soon with episode 4 so all that remains for me to say Thank you very much for listening, and uh, thanks, John and Con. Thank you. Cheers, Matt. Thank you for listening to the Improving Lives podcast from Longhurst Group. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes first.